1: For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's a Tara Walker Christmas on late lunch. And who can resist a nifty nibble to begin?
0: I love, you know, when you're having Christmas visitors and you have a little drink and a chat and you just have something nice to nibble on rather than sitting down to the table to the big meal. So this is just a tasty little thing that you can prepare in advance. We have some little cheese and pesto straws or fingers. (laughs) There's been a bit of debate about what we should call them. Some people know them as straws. Um, So they're lovely little puff pastry kind of swirls. And I have a sheet of puff pastry here and I'm adding a nice dollop of homemade pesto all across the sheet. OK, so that's actually why I decided to even make this. I had a batch of pesto in the fridge and I was thinking to myself, hmm, what will I use that up with? So just spreading it out. This is a lovely homemade pesto, loads of flavour in it. You can use a shop bought if you can't be bothered to make one because actually it's probably a good use of a shop bought one in this because we've other flavours going on in here as well.
1: Now, just quickly through the pesto for people who might know to rustle up a pesto is so handy. But you have one very important thing I'll always remember about the. Uh... Oh,
0: yes. <laughs> yes, the lemon juice. Yes. So, yeah, I have to say, I really dislike shop bought um, pestos. I, I just find there's a flavor in them that's very strong, kind of like tart or something and it's so quick to do so we toast some pine nuts on a pan in the meantime we get loads of basil like almost a whole basil plant that you'd buy from the supermarket into a small food processor i use my nutri bullet for it you could use a pestle and a mortar which would be more traditional so we've got basil a clove of garlic and blitz that up then i usually add a little bit of olive oil just so i start with the the pine nuts and the the basil and the garlic so that we break those down before we even add any liquid. So then we add our olive oil in and then I usually put a nice squeeze of lemon juice in just to perk it up and then I fold my Parmesan through when everything else is already blitzed up because I don't like the texture of the Parmesan if you blitz it up in the food processor or the Nutribullet. You get a lovely result and you can freeze that which is often what I do so I'll try and make a really big batch and it's great. Like I'm trying to remember what I made this for. I think I did um, a steak, actually it was a steak salad with a nice drizzle of pesto over
1: Yeah, that dash of lemon makes all the difference, in my opinion.
0: It really elevates it, doesn't Mm. it? It just gives that little bit of freshness. And I have to say, I just don't think you get that in any of the shop-bought ones. You know, there are some things like harissa paste. I'll use a shop-bought version, but not pesto
1: and toast the pine nuts don't put them in not toasted
0: yeah I much prefer them toasted Mm. I think you get better flavour from them toasted but obviously look if you forgot it's not the end of the world so I've spread my pesto all over my puff pastry so this is shop bought puff pastry and now I have some parmesan cheese so really the technique is the same for this whatever flavours you decide to go with so you could actually do a little bit of tomato passata and some ham here, or you could do other types of cheese like gruyere and mustard. You know, you can do whatever you want really here. So it's just, I quite like this combination of flavours. And then we just fold the pastry in half, the whole sheet of pastry. And then we're going to just cut it into finger lengths. So in other words, you see there, it's nearly like we have a little sandwich in between the pastry sheets there. And then we're going to cut them lengthways. And in sort of finger size amounts, if you see what I mean? Yeah. And then we're going to twist them.
1: So I'm I'm curious to see this now. It's so simple so far. What do you mean twist them?
0: So when we take them off the paper and then we're gonna twist. See this now? So twist it gently. So that you get that kind of spiral.
1: Yes. I see now. I thought you were gonna start dancing with me here in the kitchen <laughs> doing the twist, but you've just twisted the fingers. Go on do that again till I watch you.
0: So just twist it yeah. in a little sort of swirly shape beautiful and then just sit it onto your tray but you should get yeah. a good kind of 12 to 15 out of a portion. So you can see here I have them all in a line here on my baking tray and I'm going to pop them into the oven at 180 degrees for approximately 10 minutes I'm going to just finish off with a little bit more why not Um parmesan cheese just sprinkled over I'm just using one of those little mini parmesan graters to do it and then into the oven and you have a lovely tasty little morsel this to me now like i'd have no self-control around something like this that is really savory and snacky
1: (laughs) oh no look savory you can't beat savory it's just the nicest of all and as you said we're we're doing a little nibble here with this ahead of doing a starter for you next week with tara and this is i can just imagine i can't wait to taste this as you arrive into a house glass of wine little touch like this lovely
0: yeah it's gorgeous and there's no comparison between what you buy and the shop and what you make yourself
1: So you're just loading the little nibbles into the oven there. So
0: we're just going to give it 10 minutes and then we'll check after 10 minutes how they're going.
1: Now you're doing these nibbles today and you know the supermarkets are loaded with Christmas nibbles all over the place. You know, to make your own versus what you buy...
0: Oh, Jerry, there's no comparison. And, you know, funny you've asked me that question because look what I have here on the counter that we're making every night here, a popcorn maker. So I just bought this in Aldi, I think it was, a few weeks ago. And it's an air popper. So for a healthy snack, so I don't need any oil or butter or anything in it. And then I just toss through different flavours through it. So maybe some smoked sea salt, maybe a little bit of Parmesan when it's still a little bit warm, maybe some cumin, smoked paprika. And there is no comparison between that and what you buy.
1: So make your own. That's the message this Christmas time from Tara Walker.
0: Absolutely. And you don't have to go. I think sometimes, and I know I've said this before Christmas time on the show, you don't need to do loads and loads of complicated dishes. I'd rather fewer dishes, but that are just really tasty and nice and homemade, you know.
1: Do you hear that sound? That means mm-hmm. something is ready in the there oven. And it is our nibbles. <coughs> my oh my, the cheese and pesto fingers. They look beautiful. And I just see the little bit of cheese has just given the little melt on the outside of them there. Lovely, Tara. And, of course, the twist. Very important.
0: <laughs> so, just take it off and then you just want to cool it a little bit. These are red hot now, so let's have a little taste in a moment. Just let's cool them down a sec.
1: You know, as you said, Annie, you can vary the theme here.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny, during lockdown, um, and you can see it on my YouTube, I did a little something similar with um, puff pastry, except I turned them into pinwheels for for kids' lunchbox. And I had um, tomato passata, mozzarella cheese and salami slices, and the amount of people who 've come up to me at the beach or in the supermarket or something and said we i didn 't even you know they 're not even a recipe as such. I just threw them together and said that they make them regularly it 's funny because they 're so simple and they 're so tasty
1: let 's have a little taste of these. they should be cool enough now i can 't wait
0: go for jerry
1: let 's have a go at this. So just to remind you again, this is a lovely nibble Christmas time cheese and pesto fingers. I don't mind me, tongue. You were talking about your tongue <laughs> earlier on. They're still a bit hot. Here we go. I'll give it a go,
0: honey Mmm, mmm, mmm. I can't say anything else. They're sensational super tasty aren't they and you see like if you were to get technical about it there's loads of umami in there which is that lovely savory depth of flavor because we have parmesan we have pine nuts we have garlic in the pesto and then of course the pastry itself is is a butter pastry so it has more kind of savory flavor so even though it's super super simple you just get that lovely depth of flavor in it it's
1: gorgeous and Tara Walker coming to you in a brand new way from the start of the new year
0: yes Jerry. so I am starting an online cooking club so anyone can sign up if you go to tarawalker.ie you can pop your email address in there to get more information but basically it's going to be like a subscription based business going forward and I'm going to have lots of recipes tips little videos live online classes in the new year
1: Great stuff. Well, we're on the run into Christmas for sure. We have our nibble sorted. We'll be back next week with the starter from Tara. But as always, thank you so much.
0: Great to see you as always, Jerry.
1: Here's your starter for ten from Tara.
0: This is a very traditional sort of starter, but there's a few little touches that we can do to make it a little bit more modern. So I have lots of butter going in, as you can see. So I have equal quantities of butter to chicken livers. Okay, so 225 grams of butter. And I'm just melting it down in the pan here. We're going to blitz this up in a food processor. We're going to puree it that you have equal amounts of butter and chicken liver. Christmas is about luxury it is and now this is a big portion we're making so I have 225 grams of butter 225 grams of livers but actually this would make about 10 portions easily so yes it is indulgent and it is rich but you're you're not going to eat loads of it you know so I'm going to add my livers in now that my butter is melted I'm almost poaching these before I caramelize them so you know I'm always saying to Jerry how important it is to have the pan really hot and all of that that's not the case here today we want to cook these and poach them in this butter before we get that caramelization going because we don't want little chunks of kind of browned bits in our puree
1: how long will you give them now on the pan
0: about five ten minutes just Mm. so that you can hear now there's a little bit of a sizzle picking up in here now and i'm going to now add my garlic so i have two cloves of garlic here just chopped in they go and then i have some thyme from the garden so i'm just going to pull the leaves off the thyme and pop that in now you can use dried as well if you want but i think it's lovely if you have access to fresh so let's get those in so I didn't obviously put the garlic in too early on because it might have burnt by the time we're up at this bit of a sizzle now can you smell that now I certainly can I forgot we're on radio for a second I was about to say smell that to everybody but isn't it gorgeous between the savouriness of the thyme the meatiness of the livers the richness of the butter and then of course the garlic it just smells absolutely delicious
1: Oh, the waff from the pan folks, Tarras, right, garlic, thyme, liver, butter, you can't beat it. If this is a forerunner of what it's going to taste like, we're in for a treat.
0: Absolutely, it's really, really tasty. And funny, you know, I don't have a super old-fashioned palate, as you know, but I really do love this. So Jerry can you see we have a lovely little bit of just gentle caramelization on mm. the outside of the livers okay and we've got great flavor going on here and now I'm adding a nice shot of brandy you can use whiskey either and we're just going to let that deglaze a little bit and just bubble up into that mixture
1: and she's bubbling Is that it now in terms of all your ingredients in?
0: This is all our ingredients in and what we just want to do now is just let that alcohol burn off and then I want to make sure that the livers are completely cooked through. You definitely don't want any pink or undercooked in this scenario here. So what I'll do is I'll just break them up a little bit and check them. So Jerry, you can see there now I'm just opening all of the livers to make sure that there's no pink left. Mm. Okay, so they're completely cooked through. We're going to just let that cool a minute or two before we blitz it up in the food processor. And you can see I have a little bit extra butter. So when I had 225 grams of butter, I used about two-thirds of it to cook the livers. But then I have a little bit left over, which I'm going to blitz through with the chicken in the food processor because it'll kind of cool it down a little bit. And then over here, I just have another little bit of butter melting very, very slowly and gently in my pan to make clarified butter. So you can see all of the little impurities have dropped to the bottom of the pan. And at the top, we have the kind of the pure oil part of the butter. And we're going to pour that over the chicken liver parfait just to um, seal it when it's in its little, in the little ramekins.
1: So all into the blender.
0: So, Jerry, yeah, I've just let it cool a little bit so it's not red hot going into my food processor. And I'm going to blitz it up. This is without that little third extra of butter. I just want to, at this moment, basically cut up and puree the livers before I add the butter to add smoothness.
1: So that's everything that was in the pan blitzed there.
0: I'm just going to add the extra little bit of butter through here. And that will just give it that lovely creaminess then. And you can smell that now. Doesn't it smell delicious?
1: Oh, does it what? (laughs) I'd nearly be tempted to stick my finger in there and take a lick. <laughs> but I'm not allowed. <laughs> oh, look at the smoothness of that now.
0: So now we're going to pop it into our little ramekin. This will set in the fridge then. And actually, maybe before you pour it into your ramekin, just have a little taste for seasoning. Make sure you're happy with the balance of flavour. Mm. I'm very happy with that. And then our clarified butter just to give a really nice little decorative touch at the end and just elevate your presentation because it is Christmas time after all. I have a sprig of thyme here and I'm adding some of my clarified butter to the top then I'm popping my sprig of thyme in and then another bit of the clarified butter and what that will do is just have the sprig of thyme suspended in the clarified butter when it has set and it's going to be absolutely lovely to look at then as a nice starter. So let's get it
1: into the fridge. And we'll come back to that shortly as well. Oh, you're, you're a devil altogether. The little sprig of thyme there and the aesthetics, the look is important, oh, isn't it? Oh, it, it
0: really is. And especially at Christmas, it's nice to just make that little bit of an extra effort, isn't it? Rather than slopping it in. You know, if you have a little spillage on your ramekin, you make sure you clean it off and, and present it nicely.
1: So we're nearly done. Our chicken liver parfait is almost ready. It's gone into the fridge there. And I'm looking forward to tasting. The magic of radio, we're ready to taste the parfait. Oh my word, it looks the part anyway and I'm sure it's going to be absolutely superb. And as you say, this will keep.
0: Yes, oh it'll keep very well Um, in the fridge for a couple of days or in the freezer. Pop it into the freezer maybe if you if you're not sure when you're going to have it. Or if you've made a big batch but you only maybe have five portions to serve on Christmas Day.
1: Now, you're serving it with a lovely cracker.
0: Yeah, so I just have it on a nice little thin kind of rye cracker. Um, sometimes I've made homemade oatcakes with it, which we did on the show last year for Christmas. And I love to serve a chutney with it as well. So plum chutney I always served here at my Christmas class. Any chutney you like, really. So you just want something a little bit sharp and sweet with it. But okay,
1: let's have, let's have a taste. It's time. The proof is in the eating. Here we go. Oh, my... Isn't that just gorgeous? Chicken liver parfait. You're bringing me back. I told you a little while ago. I have great memories. Love chicken livers. 2022 version Tara Walker gets a 10 from Len.
0: <laughs> Thank you very much. It's very tasty, isn't it? Mm. And it's quite a nice little delicate starter as well before Christmas. Big meal at Christmas, you know.
1: It's beautiful. Recipes where?
0: So I have a new website, Jerry. It's tarawalkerfood.ie. It's not live yet but it will be in the new year and I have a whole cooking club on there so people can sign up right now to tarawalker.ie and then as soon as I launch you'll get an email with all the information on it.
1: Great stuff. Thank you so much for your hospitality and the wonderful food as always. It's Christmas and late lunch when Tara Walker's on cooking. Happy Christmas everyone. Great to see you as always Jerry. We're on to the main course now and it's a beautiful alternative to Turkey or Ham.
0: I have some garlic here just finely chopped and I'm putting it out on a board in a kind of line because I'm going to roll my pork fillet in it and then over here I have some rosemary which I've just been chopping and I'm going to sprinkle that in a line as well if you see what I mean. So I have everything just spread out so that I can roll my pork in it. You want to have an equal bit of everything in there and then I'm going to pop some thyme in and then some salt and pepper almost like a dry rub except it's not that dry because it's fresh rosemary and fresh thyme and garlic but you know it's that idea
1: so the seasoning is spread out on a chopping board there really the length and the breadth of a pork fillet
0: exactly exactly you can actually smell there's a lovely you know a lovely kind Mm. of savoury smell from it and then what makes it kind of more Italian in style is I have some fennel seeds which I just have in my pestle and mortar and I'm just breaking them down here little bash down in your pesto and mortar until they're they don't need to be completely like a fine powder but just broken down that we can spread them around on the pork look oh smell of that now is not gorgeous <laughs> <Isn't that> oh <lovely? laughs>
1: my, my oh my
0: so now i'm going to spread that as well all through my garlic and thyme and rosemary and then i'm going to grab my pork fillet and we're just going to roll it in it
1: beautiful pork fillet
0: yeah isn't it lovely i got this at garrett's family butchers in term and, Facken, and you can see there's not too much fat on it and it's quite dark in color which is always a good sign so sometimes you'll see pork fillets when you buy them in the supermarket when they're very mass-produced they're practically white so i would avoid that especially at christmas time when you're trying to do something nice for you know a bit more special um, so i'm just rolling it in this coating now
1: and it's picking it all up because there's a little moisture on the outside of the fillet and it sticks to it
0: exactly exactly and then just to mention as well I did have it out here at room temperature well not quite room temperature but it's just not freezing cold from the fridge because if we cook it from freezing cold it's just going to tense up so I had it out just when you arrived so that it's not super cold and just pressing that filling in a little bit and then I'm going to wash my hands and get my pan on super hot so unlike last week when we had the pan kind of just on a very gentle poaching for the chicken liver parfait this time we're going to go back to our good high hot searing
1: so it's not a dry pan
0: So I'm going to pop some uh, rapeseed oil. Now I know I've often said on the show it's good to just cook something on a dry pan. But because we have the garlic and herbs which are fresh here, I want to sear it but I also don't want to burn the garlic and herbs. So what I'm doing is I'm brushing a nice coating of rapeseed oil or any high burning point oil onto my pan. So I'm using my brush to spread it around really evenly. Like not loads and loads of oil as you can see but just that it doesn't stick and doesn't catch and burn the hand test yes so um you're looking at me there so i have my hand about an inch from the surface of the pan and if i can keep my hand there longer than a second or two it's not ready to go but if i have to kind of take my hand away kind of quickly well then we know we're ready to go so I, now even just while we've been talking there because i have it on a high heat that's happened so i'm carefully and gently lifting my pork over onto the pan And we can hear a gentle sizzle. I want to sizzle, but not like that super hot, smoky sizzle, because otherwise my garlic and herbs will be burnt.
1: So the idea here is now is to seal this before it goes into the oven.
0: Exactly. And then I'm going to use my pan to make up my lovely jus or gravy for it. So I'm doing a kind of nice, light little jus for this. You can, of course, make a roux up if you want to make a thicker gravy. I want to keep this kind of a bit lighter. So I'm not going to put flour into this. But the all-important point is that I'm keeping the pan, so all the flavour from this and that's another reason why it was important not to have it too, too hot that everything would burn because I want to make my jus in here. And then I'm going to turn it over so you can see I'm just using my tongs here now to sort of press that lovely coating in. And actually you could make that coating and have it sitting in it for a day in advance as well which would really work nicely. So I'm using my tongs and a spatula to get underneath there and turn it over. You see the way it's all stayed on because I'm pressing it down into it as I'm working. But look at that nice golden caramelization. So even though the pan's not like screaming hot, we still have a nice caramelization going.
1: Oh, the sizzle on the pan, you can't (laughs) beat it. I
0: know. So I'm just moving on to its final side now. So you can see I'm, I'm only giving it really like a minute to two minutes on each side. So I am searing it, but just not getting that really deep caramelization. And now look, I'm lifting it out onto a little roasting dish or I have a little silver platter here that goes into my oven and we have a good hot oven 200 degrees here and we're going to cook that it only takes about 15 minutes to cook because the outside's already done so it's just to get it nice and cooked at the centre
1: and that sealing and all those herbs makes all the difference it
0: really does wait till you see you'll get great flavour from that and I've turned the heat off on the pan now very purposefully And I'm going to start making my jus in here so you can see a little bit of garlic and herb kind of escaped but not very much. So to that now that my pan is off I'm adding a knob of butter and I'm going to add just a dash more rapeseed oil just to stop anything from burning there. And because of the residual heat in the pan the butter is foaming very quickly and I'm going to add my onions in now and a little pinch of salt just to soften them down. And look at that flavour now is going up into the onions. I will turn the heat back on in a couple of minutes, but I want to just keep it sort of on a medium heat now at the moment. The onions are nicely kind of softened and caramelized there. And and I've just turned the pan back on now, just on a gentle heat. Because do you remember, we turned it off because it was very, very hot from searing the pork. And now I'm just stirring some tomato puree through. So I want that tomato puree to almost caramelize itself a little bit in this pan and soften down because it can be a little bit bitter on its own. If you want this more like a gravy, you know, a bit thicker, now's the time to add a teaspoon of flour if you want to do that. And sometimes I do, just depending on what else I have in my whole meal if you know what I mean so now I'm going to add my port in and delay's with the port
1: I'll never tire of hearing that sizzle on your pan no matter <laughs> what dish you're doing
0: <laughs> it is, it's good isn't it so look and now my pan's almost clean you see that so I've taken all those lovely Um, juices from the pork and the herbs and the garlic up into this sauce now so the pan is almost clean looking if I you know move um, the onions to one side with the tomato puree and the little bit of pork that's just reducing down and then to that I'm just going to add some chicken stock I'm just going to let that boil down and simmer away the longer you can leave this the better you know so if you can give this maybe two hours happy days now obviously if the pork is in the oven you won't be able to do that so what i do sometimes is i'll say if i was having friends over and i was doing this i'd sear the pork and leave it sitting on the counter until it's cool enough to put in the fridge pop it into the fridge make my jus. let that simmer away for two hours then just throw the pork into the oven now that is a bit of a chefy way about doing it so what you could do alternatively is make up your jus like this. Obviously, it's not going to be on the pan that you made the pork in and let that simmer and reduce down and then add the whole jus to the pan after the pork. I know I'm getting a bit complicated there now and it's probably not feasible for most people, but just try and give it as long as possible to re- reduce down. The beauty of using the pan is that the pan is really, really wide. So actually, it reduces down a bit quicker than if you have a normal sort of narrow, tall saucepan.
1: Time to check the oven for the pork fillet. Yes. Oh, beautiful. lovely now. So
0: we're going to let that rest for a couple of minutes just while we finish our jus. So it's been simmering and reducing. You can see here it's really thickened up from where it was at earlier. And now just carefully I'm going to take the the nice juices out of the pork. Just be careful. That's very hot, that dish now, and you've had it in the oven. And I'm going to pour those lovely juices. Now this is an important little step because that's what's going to give that jus an extra bit of flavour. And can you see here, I have a little bit of kind of caramelised, it's stuck. Mm. Take that off. All of that, that's like the gold of the flavour. So the little meat juices, the little brown bits, this, you could even deglaze this pan um, if you had lots of that. And just scrape that off and make sure that goes into your sauce as well.
1: Waste not, what not.
0: But the flavour from that. Mm. And then I'm just going to get a little board, little little coating board to rest my pork. And I'm purposely getting this one, you see this one, with, has a little kind of ridge around it to catch any little juices. So I'm just going to let that rest on that wooden board, ready to slice and serve. Any further juices that come out as it's resting will be caught in that nice little kind of ridge there. And then in the meantime, over here, I have just a jug with a sieve on top. Now you could leave those onions in there, there's nothing wrong with them in there as such, but... I'm going to sieve them out. I just think it gives a more kind of nice finish, smoother finish, you know, and just make sure you push that through so you get all those lovely flavors, but you don't get the lumps of onion in there. It's a real classic French technique. And look, I mean, sometimes if I was in a hurry during the week, just making my family meal, I wouldn't be bothered with this extra step and extra washing up. But when we're doing something special for Christmas, I think it's just nice to take that extra little step. And now look at our lovely glossy jus. Beautiful. Yeah. Once the pork has rested a little, another little bit, Jerry. We'll slice it up and have a taste.
1: It's Italian-style roast pork fillet with port jus, and here you are slicing that beautiful pork. Will you look at it?
0: Look how lovely and moist that is at the centre. So that is because we've rested it now. So we've just been having a chat here while it's resting for a few minutes. Smell that as well—the lovely smell from the gorgeous aromatics that we've added to it oh, and look at the lovely juicy slice of the pork it's, it's super just moist
1: m- moist that's what i'm going to say the moisture is just yeah. emanating from and it. And
0: a lot of people struggle with pork that they end up with a situation where it's very dry so it's really important to rest it and obviously not to cook it for too long either like we want to cook through but it doesn't need to be overcooked because mm-hmm. don't forget the residual heat as it's resting is also going to keep cooking it a little bit as well so have a taste there jerry and tell me what you think i've just poured the jus over which we strained see we've no flour in there but because it's reduced like it's not just you know totally liquid it's actually holding its shape on the plate so you don't is. really need the flour
1: will you cut me a little piece I there will. Jimmy? you mean you might as well go the whole hog here for me and then i'll pick it up and taste it lovely there we go let's have a go at this even though i have a little food in my mouth can i say you're you a genius
0: i think there are some just little tips as you go along that really improve the flavor of gravies and sauces and it would be a passion for me along with seafood there'd be the two things i really love in cooking you know so it's that whole thing of using the pan that you've seared the meat off in giving the time to the onions to really caramelize slowly popping the pinch of salt in deglazing nicely and then giving it the time to reduce and simmer
1: that's you raises that to an entirely different level. And I want to tell listeners that it really, really does. And it's worth taking time over and following Tara the way she made it with us this afternoon. But the pork as well, I have to mention, is so tender so flavoursome as well so moist it's a winner winner all the way
0: isn't it lovely so look I know lots of people like to stick with the traditional turkey and ham for Christmas but this is a lovely one as I said at the start Christmas Eve St Stephen's Day New Year's Eve something like that it's quite simple but there's just some little touches that just elevated and also keeping all those lovely you know you were laughing at me taking every last little bit of the juices from the, the meat as they were resting but keep those and pop those into your gravy or your jus as well and you'll have a much better flavour
1: proof is in the tasting and let me tell you folks this is a taster of what's to come in the new year from Tara Walker.
0: Yes Jerry. so for the new year all of my classes and everything I do is going to be online now so everyone can sign up at tarawalker.ie and the website is Tara Walker Food and basically there you'll find all of my recipes lots of little videos and tricks and a live online class every month as well for people who join the cooking club and there's all access to all the recipes and tips and tricks there.
1: A week to go to Christmas. We'll be back with Tara Walker with the sweet stuff <laughs> in a week's time. But for the moment, thank you so much.
0: Great to see you as always, Jerry. And to round the meal off,
1: it's the sweetest of sweets. Yes, it's most people's favourite part of the meal, the sweet stuff. And Tara has selected an absolute cracker for us today tell us what you're doing
0: so Jerry, i have a very very simple little um white chocolate mousse which you can just make on its own but just for something a little bit different and special for christmas i'm going to do a homemade honeycomb as well which i think people just love to see and of course kids love as well Now obviously you wouldn't make let kids make it on their own because it's a bit dangerous but it's an optional extra for people so even if you don't do the honeycomb you can make the white chocolate mousse in no time at all
1: what's for stop here
0: so, Jerry, I'm just melting some white chocolate here, as you can see, and you have to really watch white chocolate very carefully, um, because it can burn very, very easily. So, I'm just melting this down over a pot of hot water, and then in the meantime, I have some double cream here, which I'm just whipping up lightly, and we're going to combine the two then. We're just going to let the white chocolate cool a little bit first. So, let me just whip up this double cream. Be careful as well with double cream, because it actually whips very quickly, and you don't want it to turn into, like, cheese, you know. <laughs>
1: Away goes the whisk there and uh so you're going to combine both now. God, this is luxurious.
0: It is very luxurious. So as you can see, I look, I have little small glasses, just little sherry glasses for this. Now you can obviously make a bigger portion if you want. But I think this is a lovely kind of almost like just a sweet little treat at the end of the meal rather than like a big bowl of dessert, if you know what I mean. So popping my white chocolate that's melted and this is really good quality white chocolate. I would recommend just getting a better quality. So like Aldi and Lidl, for example, have really good quality white chocolate and it's not too expensive so try not to go for the really cheap stuff because it actually has just loads and loads of sugar in it and it doesn't give you this nice kind of melt that we have here so I'm just combining it and I'm going to use my whisk again just to combine one more time And look now, this is the basis of our mousse. So I know a lot of times you'd be folding, um, and I have done other ones, you'd be folding egg whites in here, but we're keeping it super simple. We're not doing that today. And then I have my little sherry glasses washed and ready to go. And I'm just going to pour the mixture into a jug because obviously they're small glasses, just not to make a mess everywhere. So look at the consistency of that. Isn't that gorgeous? It's beautiful.
1: It's silky. It's smooth. It's glistening.
0: Exactly. And that's the good quality white chocolate that's doing that. As I say, if you didn't want to do the honeycomb, you could just garnish this with a little bit of raspberry and mint or strawberry. You know, just some nice berries. Look at that. Isn't that gorgeous? Just lovely kind of dolloping consistency there. It's
1: mouth-watering. It really is.
0: (laughs) It's gorgeous. Just filling that, using a spoon to help me as well. And we're going to pop that into the fridge now and let it set while we get on with the honeycomb.
1: Beautiful. So very simple first steps there. White chocolate mousse with homemade honeycomb. So part one done and dusted here.
0: And here I'll give you a little try and you can tell me what you think. There's a little teaspoon. Have a here little you can feed see. me. You can feed
1: me. Come on. Oh Tara. That is just luxury personified.
0: Isn't it just? And we'll see now when we do the honeycomb even more luxurious. But a lovely crunch with it then.
1: Fantastic the honeycomb now
0: yes so Jerry the first thing we're going to do is really prep our tin very well and take another a bit longer about this than you maybe would with other dishes because it really can stick and as well when the honeycomb is ready to go into the dish out of the pot you need to work quickly then because it can burn very very quickly in the pot so you can see here I've plenty of butter going onto my dish And I'm really being pedantic about making sure it comes all the way up around the edges and around the sides and everything, because it can stick very, very easily.
1: So this is a baking dish, and you're really going heavy on the butter there?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, really any type of dish is fine, as long as you just have kind of um, the right size available, you know. And I have some um, greaseproof paper, which I'm going to line it with as well. And then I'm going to put some butter over that as well.
1: So the greaseproof has gone into the tray there, and as you said, you are now coating the greaseproof paper with butter. I know.
0: It's a really, I know it might seem a bit overkill, but it's just to make sure that nothing sticks here because the honeycomb can nearly melt the paper sometimes depending on the quality of paper you have. So it won't come out of the tray for you if it in any way sticks. That's the problem. No. great job. Let's get on with the honeycomb itself, okay? So I have a good deep pan here, pot I should say, and I'm adding my caster sugar to it. So I have 200 grams of castor sugar. Now, nobody ever said that Christmas recipes had to be healthy recipes. So, you know, this is not the usual style of cooking for the rest of the year. Um, So I have my 200 grams of castor sugar. Next up, I'm putting five tablespoons of golden syrup in. And I love when I can get the golden syrup in a squeezy bottle like this rather than the old-fashioned tin, which I know looks lovely. But I find um, it just is much easier to handle. So five tablespoons of golden syrup going in there.
1: It's beautiful, the colour of it. So that combined now with the melting sugar, is that it?
0: That's it for now, and then the magic is going to happen when we add the bicarbonate of soda in. You have to be careful with the sugar now, keep a good eye on it. Yes, so we're going to be super careful with it. I'm taking it off the heat for a minute here, just to stir that golden syrup through the sugar a little bit. Just take our time with this now at this stage.
1: So you can't go out and take a rain check or anything like that when no, you're doing this. You
0: absolutely need to stand over it. And you need to also be careful that you don't have little, little children or pe- other people in the kitchen who mightn't be aware of what's happening because you will get a terrible burn. So what's going to happen when we put the bicarbonate of soda in is it's going to actually increase in volume because that's going to create loads of little bubbles of carbon dioxide inside there. And it's going to come right up the pot and that's when we take it out straight away. So that's the little bit that can be a little bit dangerous for people and never taste don't do the mistake I made years ago I was a bit nervous doing a cookery demonstration in front of lots of people about 15 years ago and I was making salted caramel and I had a taste of it and sure I couldn't taste anything for days afterwards because it gives an awful burn on your tongue so don't be tempted So what we want to do now is, look, you can see a lot of the sugar has dissolved, but not all of it. So you want to make sure it doesn't kind of bubble too ferociously at this stage, because otherwise the edges could burn and then not all of the sugar is dissolved. And then you want to just sort of, you can see I'm just carefully and gently moving the pot around just to make sure it's well combined. And you can stir it a little bit, but just just go easy with the stirring. And you can start to smell now that sort of caramel Mm. smell, yeah
1: oh yeah it's beautiful it's beautiful it really is
0: so once this just turns to liquid that's when we're going to add the bicarbonate of soda and at that stage we're going to work quickly and carefully so i have my very well lined and greased um tin here beside me and i have my bicarbonate of soda and my spoon ready to go to add it in so i'm adding two teaspoons of bicarbonate of soda to 200 grams of caster sugar and five tablespoons of golden syrup
1: and that it goes in dry on the spoon.
0: Absolutely. We're just going to just sprinkle it in and then you'll see it'll all just kind of um, just increase in volume. It'll all just kind of grow. And, you know, it'll hold quite well over the Christmas period as well if you just put it in an airtight container. And it's lovely just sprinkled on loads of different desserts. It's a real treat. Like even on a meringue roulade or a pavlova, it just gives a bit of crunch. I used to serve it at one of the classes here on a chocolate espresso tiramisu tart, like a very sort of rich, dense slightly bitter chocolate cake but then this lovely little bit of sweet crunch on top. So you see it's bubbling away there now and we're going to turn the heat off now and straight away I'm adding my two teaspoons of bicarbonate of soda in. And you can see what happens now straight away. Look at the bubbling and we're going to stir that through. Look at the total change that happened. Oh
1: my word, just in in seconds.
0: Look at this. And look how gorgeous and light it is now. So it's a real little kind of like chemical reaction isn't Mm. it? And then we're going to just pop it out into our tin now. And then we're going to let it cool. Now, this is the moment I was saying not to be tempted to taste because it looks so delicious, doesn't it? Does, it? Doesn't it? Yeah. You just want to have a taste, but do not do it or your tongue will not. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. Look at the lovely likeness of that. yes, And it's just the perfect color. So that's why you kind of need to stand over because... As I was saying earlier, it can burn very, very quickly. And then your whole honeycomb is a really dark colour, which you don't want. That is it. We're just going to let that cool now for about an hour. And then we're going to take a hammer to it and just bash it up into little shards. Look at all the little bubbles on the top, doesn't it look gorgeous? It's
1: absolutely beautiful. So everything's resting for our uh, afters here and then we'll come back to it and assemble the lot shortly. Exactly. The mousse has been in the fridge and it's chilled down lovely. The honeycomb has cooled as well here. So I think we're going to have a smashing time now, are we?
0: Exactly, we are. So look, do you remember, I know I I sort of went overkill on, um, you know, greasing the tin, but it's hard to get it out if it's not greased both on the outside of the lining paper and the inside. So it has come away nice and easily for me there. And I have a little meat mallet. and I'm going to smash it. Isn't that gorgeous, Jerry? Do you want a little taste?
1: Oh, for sure. Smell
0: it even. Isn't it lovely?
1: Crunchy bar. Crunchy bar.
0: Isn't it lovely? So we have little shards of honeycomb here with lovely little air pockets in it. You can see the texture there. And it just breaks up nicely. And what I'm going to do now is just kind of break it over our little over the little mousse pots okay so look at that isn't that gorgeous so you'll get a little kind of chunk of it and you'll get a little bit of dust on your little chocolate mousse pot and how lovely does that look
1: It looks gorgeous. I see you with a bit of mint there.
0: Popping the mint on now on the side of your little glass just for a little bit of freshness because it is quite a rich little dessert. And we have our little sherry glass there, a little fancy sherry glass. A lovely little
1: spoon. Yes. A spoon. A little lovely little one to have a taste here. Here we go. When I dig into the mousse there, it's just perfect. Honeycomb on the top. Here we go. I'm lost for words. (laughs)
0: Has that ever happened before, Jerry?
1: <laughs> Rarely. Only when I'm with the dentist and I can't open my mouth to talk. But I'm lost for words. I really am. That is just sublime.
0: Isn't it lovely? It's super tasty. But I think that small portion, I look, I know some people have more sweet tooth than I do, but that little small portion I think is enough for something like that because it is quite rich. That with a nice strong coffee at the end of a meal, delicious and Jerry, you know what's lovely see it makes quite a big portion of the honeycomb that is lovely just mash up and put in little jars or bags as a little edible gift for people at Christmas as well
1: there you go and it's so simple as well well we come to the end of another year and I just want to say Tara thank you so much for being so hospitable to us on late lunch again this year you've taken us through the year from spring, summer, autumn and now into winter and Christmas time and I know you're starting out a new yourself in 2023 tell us a little about that
0: Yes, yeah, so Jerry, all of my classes and recipes are going to be online on a new website called TaraWalker.ie. It's not live yet, but you can actually sign up at the moment. If you pop your email address in there, you'll get all the information when we go live in the new year. And it's going to be a mix of lots of different recipes, quick little video tutorials, little tips, and then of course, live online cookery classes once a month. And you get access to the whole of the cooking club and membership of all of the recipes and videos and tips and tricks
1: exciting times ahead at the season that's in it happy christmas and all the best in the new year to yourself rob and grace and thanks again we really appreciate what you do for us on late Lunch.
0: thanks jerry it's great to see you as always and happy christmas to you too